Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Unshakable Hope. Unshakable Hope is a reminder of the hope we have in Christ, how it is enduring and withstands and lasts through the ages, the hope that comes of knowing the God who sees us, loves us, and will never leave us. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Happy Mother's Day. You know, here at Valley Brook, we are grateful for our moms, and we are uh, hopeful that this day will be a day of joy for every single mom. Uh, You know, if you're here on campus, we do want to encourage you to stop by our photo booth in the cafe. We have a photo booth set up where you can take a picture with your mom or for your mom or in memory of your mom, whatever you want to do, because we want to encourage you just to celebrate her today. Now, as I say that, you know, Mother's Day is a special day, but I'm also aware that Mother's Day can be a very difficult day to find joy for some of us. Uh, Some moms have lost a child to death, or some moms feel distant or even estranged from their children, and, and this can be a difficult day for them. I'm also aware that some of you would love to become moms, but that for one reason or another, that has not happened for you, and, and this day brings an aching emptiness. And, and for others of us, our, our moms are no longer with us, or our relationship with our moms left a lot to be desired, and, and that leaves us with a significant void in our lives. Now, look, I'm sorry if, uh, if I'm uh, bringing you down. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but as a pastor who shepherded people through 34 years of Mother's Day, I've come to realize that this day can bring mixed emotions. You know, but it's not just this day that brings mixed emotions. Life brings mixed emotions. And the reality is, is that we can take the happy days for granted while the difficult days tend to drag us down. And and unfortunately, they leave a lasting impression on us that can be hard to overcome. Maybe you've lost a loved one to suicide or some other tragedy, and the emotional weight of that loss seems too much to carry at times. Maybe the dream you had of a family or of a marriage or of a career or some other happiness has died, and the grief of that loss of that dream never seems to be far away from you. Maybe you've suffered what seems to be wave after wave of setbacks that you just feel like you're becoming more and more hopeless. Well, let me say in the midst of that, that there is an important promise about the unshakable hope of joy that I want you to hear today. And it's straight from scripture. And I want to share it with you this morning. It's from Psalm 30. And this is what it says. It says, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Is that a promise that you need today? Have you given up on hope in your life? Are you wondering when that morning these scriptures promise when it will come? You know, there's a woman in in the Bible that I'm I'm certain wondered when her morning was finally going to come. If you've studied scripture, you probably have seen her name. And then when you really study all the passages where you show up, you begin to understand what I'm talking about. Her name is Mary Magdalene. And pastor and author Max Lucado tells her story so masterfully, I want to share it with you as he tells it. In the forest of the New Testament, she is a weeping willow. 
She is the one upon whom tragedy cast its coldest winter. Before she knew Jesus, she had seven demons. She was a prisoner of seven afflictions. What might that list include? Depression, loneliness, shame, fear. Perhaps she was a recluse, or perhaps she was a prostitute. Maybe she'd been abused or abandoned. You know, the number seven is sometimes used in the Bible to describe completeness. It could be that Mary Magdalene was completely consumed with troubles. But then something happened to her. Jesus stepped into her world. He spoke and the demons fled. For the first time in a long time, the oppressive forces were gone, banished, evicted, Mary Magdalene could sleep well. She could eat enough and smile again. The face in the mirror wasn't anguished anymore. Jesus restored life to her life. And she reciprocated. She was among the female followers who were contributing from their resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Wherever Jesus went, Mary Magdalene followed. She heard his teaching. She saw him perform miracles. She helped pay expenses. She may have even prepared his meals. She was always near to Christ. Even at his crucifixion, she stood, as scripture said, near the cross. When they pounded the nails in his hands, she heard the hammer. When they pierced his side with the spear, she saw the blood. When they lowered his body from the cross, she was there to help prepare it for burial. On Friday, Mary Magdalene watched Jesus die. On Saturday, as was the traditional Jewish custom, she observed a sad Sabbath day. When Sunday came, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb to finish the work that she had begun on Friday. Scripture says, early on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb while it was still dark. She knew nothing of an empty tomb. She came with no other motive than to wash the remaining clots of blood from his beard and to say one final goodbye. It was a dark, dark morning. When she arrived at the tomb, the bad news became worse. Mary Magdalene saw that the stone had been taken away. Assuming that grave robbers had taken the body, she hurried back down the trail until she found Peter and John. She said, they have taken away the Lord from the tomb. Peter and John ran to the gravesite. John was faster, but Peter was bolder. He stepped inside. John followed him. Peter saw the empty slab and stared. But John saw the empty slab and believed. The evidence all came together for him. The resurrection prophecies Jesus had told, the removed stone, the linen wrappings, the headcloth folded and placed. John did the math. No one took Jesus' body. No one robbed the grave. Jesus rose from the dead. John looked and believed Easter had its first celebrant. Peter and John hurried to tell the others. Now, we expect the camera lens of the gospel to follow them. After all, they were the apostles. 
They authored some of the future epistles. They composed two-thirds of the inner circle. We expect John to describe what the apostles did next. But he doesn't. He tells the story of the one who remained behind. Scripture says, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. Her face was awash with tears. Her shoulders heaved with sobs. She felt all alone. It was just Mary Magdalene and her despair at a vacant tomb. As she wept, Scripture says she stooped down and she looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where the body had lain. And she said to them, she spoke to them and they spoke back and they said, woman, why are you weeping? You know, Mary's world had officially hit rock bottom. Her master murdered, his body buried in a borrowed tomb, his tomb now robbed, the body stolen. Now two strangers were sitting on the slab where the body had been laid, sorrow intermingled with anger. Have you ever had a moment like this? A moment in which bad news became worse, in which sadness wrapped around you like a fog, in which you came looking for God yet couldn't find him? Maybe Mary Magdalene's story is your story. If you're going to love God, you're going to love what happens next. In the midst of Mary's darkest moment, the sun, S-O-N, came out. The Bible says, now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him. She didn't recognize the Lord. So Jesus did something about it. He called her by name. Jesus said to her, Mary. Maybe it was the way he said it, the inflection, the tone, his Galilean accent. Maybe it was the memory associated with it, the moment that she first heard her name spoken by him, unladen with perversion or an agenda. Mary. When she heard him, when she heard him call her by name, she knew the source. She turned and she said to him, Rabboni, which is teacher in Hebrew. And in a second, in the pivot of a neck, in the amount of time it took her to rotate her head from this way to that way, her world went from a dead Jesus to a living one. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. She took hold of him. We know that to be true because the next words Jesus said are, don't hold on to me because I have not yet gone up to the Father. Maybe she fell at his feet and grasped his ankles. Maybe she threw her arms around his shoulders and held him close. We don't know how she held him. We just know she did. And we know that Jesus let her do so. Even if the gesture lasted only a moment, Jesus allowed it. 
How wonderful the resurrected Lord was not too holy, not too otherly, not too divine, not too supernatural to be touched. Then it says Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Think about it, to her. Of all people to whom he could have spoken, Jesus went first to her. Through his resurrection, Jesus ripped the gates of hell off their hinges. He yanked the fangs of Satan's teeth out of Satan's mouth. He had just turned B.C. into A.D. Jesus now was the undisputed undisputed king of the universe. 10,000 angels stood in rapt attention, ready to serve. And what was his first act? To whom did he go? To Mary. Weeping, heartbroken Mary, who had once had seven demons in her. Why Mary? Why her? You know, as far as we know, she never became a missionary. None of the epistles bear her name. No New Testament story describes her work. Why did Jesus create this moment for Mary Magdalene? Perhaps. Perhaps it was to send a message to all the heavy-hearted people. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. You see, joy always comes with Jesus. You know, King David was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words from Psalm 30. He was no stranger to the dark night of the soul, He wrote, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. And and at the end of that psalm, he actually ends it telling us that God will turn our weeping, our sadness, into joyful dancing. I want to remind you this morning of two truths from God's word today that will help you know the unshakable truth and the hope of joy. Here's the first one. God is always near you. God is always near you. Now, this this is a truth that is real. And listen, you may not feel that he is near at times. You may not see him with your eyes. But remember this. Our emotions are feelings. They're not facts. And our feelings, while they are valid whenever you feel them, they aren't necessarily the truth. All right? The Bible tells us this. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. So the truth is, he is always near you. So call on him because he is near you. This truth is reinforced for those going through that night of weeping. God's word tells us in Psalm 34 that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. God is near you always. He is near you in the good times and he's near you in the hard times. He's near you in the joyful morning. He's near you in the deepest, darkest night. The truth that God is near to you no matter what should dispel the darkness of the night. Hold on if you're in that darkness because the dawn is coming. 
The next truth that scripture shares with us will bring the dawning of joy into your dark night even more. And here's this truth. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate you. In the book of Romans, we read these words. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be ever able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, let me just read that last phrase again. Hold on to it. It's true. Nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. You see, there's a new day dawning into your dark night. God is with you and nothing can come between you and God. He is with you through the night and now he brings joy in the morning. So remember this, God loves you. And because he does, he is with you. And you can be assured that his joy will come to you. When the night is long and dark, trust that he is with you because he loves you. And he will walk you out into the daylight of dawn. Mary Cushman learned this truth. In the, in the depression of the 1930s, her family was all but devastated. Her husband's average paycheck shrank to $18 a week. And because of his illnesses, he didn't usually earn that full $18 a week. So to make ends meet, she began to take in laundry and she began to do ironing. She dressed her five kids with clothes that she got from the Salvation Army. And at one point, the local grocery to whom they owned a, a large amount of money in that day, $50, the store accused her 11-year-old son of stealing from them. That was all Mary could take. She was at the end of her rope. She writes, I couldn't see any more hope. I shut off the washing machine. I took my little five-year-old daughter into the bedroom and I plugged up the windows and cracks with paper and rags. And I turned on the gas heater we had in the bedroom and I didn't light it. As I laid down on the bed with my daughter beside me, she said, Mommy, this is funny. We just got up a little while ago. But I said, never mind. We'll take a nap. Then I closed my eyes, listening to the hissing gas escape from the heater. I'll never forget that sound or that smell. She continues, she goes, suddenly I thought I heard music and, and I listened and I realized I had forgotten to turn off the radio in the kitchen. But it didn't matter now. But the music kept on. And presently, I heard the voice of someone singing an old hymn. The words said, 
What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. She writes, as I listened to the words of that hymn, I realized I had made a tragic mistake. I had tried to fight all of my terrible battles all by myself. So I jumped up, I turned off the gas, I opened the door, and I raised the windows. And she goes on to explain how she spent the rest of the day giving thanks to God for all of her blessings, specifically those ones that she forgot, her five healthy children. She promised she would never again be ungrateful. Life still was not easy. They eventually lost their home, but she never lost her hope again. They weathered the depression. Those five kids grew up. They married. They had children of their own. And today she reflects. She said, as I look back on that terrible day when I turned on the gas, I thank God over and over again that I woke up. What joys I would have missed. How many wonderful years I would have forfeited forever. Whenever I hear now of someone who wants to end his or her life, I feel like crying out to them, don't do it, just don't. The darkest moments we live through can only last a little time. And then comes the future. You know, Mary began to understand the unshakable hope of joy when she realized that there was much to be grateful for. We have to embrace the practice of being grateful. When you go through a a difficult week, when the joy seems far from you, you need to embrace with gratitude all the blessings that you have, and you'll begin to discover the unshakable promise of joy. And as we embrace that gratitude, there are some other things that we can do, and I I want to share them with you because I know that as you begin to embrace things, things, if you're going through a dark night, you will encounter the dawn of a new day and the joy that comes with it. Let me just encourage you to do a couple of things. The first thing that I want to encourage you to do, and you'll find these on the resource page on our website, but but I want to encourage you to lean into reading God's Word. If, If you're not a reader, you can listen to it. Go and download the Bible app. Download a reading plan. There's no excuse for us not to let God's word come into our lives more than any other thing. So lean into it. Lean into prayer. Talk to God. Pour out your heart and your soul to him and let him know what's going on and know this. He hears you. He hears you. Lean into worship. Lean into worship music. How that hymn ministered to Mary. Let God's music minister to you. And then finally, lean into relationships with other followers of Jesus. Now, this one's a little bit harder than all the others, I know, because I'm asking you to open up your life to another follower of Jesus and let them know what's going on, your, going on in your life and let them know how they can pray for you. But do it. It's so important. Now, I need to say this to the rest of us. Look, if you're not going through a dark night of the soul, if you're not going through a, a dark night and, and you're 
you know the unshakable joy that comes from following Jesus, that's awesome. But if somebody comes to you and says, can I just share my heart and what's going on and can you pray for me? This is what I want to encourage you. And this is really not for me. This is from God's word because we're called to be the body of Christ and to bear with one another, to bear our burdens with one another. So if somebody says that, tell them yes. And here's what I need you to do. Listen. And keep listening. And listen all the way. And remember, you don't need to say a lot. You don't need to fix it. You don't need to come up with the right words. You just need to let Christ work in you and minister through you at that moment. As you help a brother or a sister walk through the dark night into the joy that comes in the morning. It's so powerful. So I want to pray for all of us that we will know the unshakable hope of joy that will live in that, that we'll walk toward it if we're in a dark night, and that we'll help others walk out of that dark night. So would you bow your heads with me and let's pray. God, we thank you for the unshakable hope of joy that comes only through Jesus. We thank you that each one of us can have that, and we can know that the night may be dark, but joy comes in the morning with you. And so, Lord, I pray for each one of us that we would lean into everything that you have made available to us that you will remind us to be grateful for your word, for the ministry of music, for brothers and sisters in Christ, that we'll lean in and we'll let that ministry come to us and help us walk through the dark night. And Lord, if we're asked to help somebody, that we would just learn to listen and care for and pray for others. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.